wrapping up a series called New Year, New You, so after today, you should be perfect. <laughs> you should have it all together. Everything's going to be settled today. Aren't you excited about that? <laughs> no, we're talking about a process here, a, pro- a process that goes on the rest of our lives of really not just being a better you, but a better who God made you to be, really discovering. I love this old quote. I, I say it once in a while. Um, there's a guy, I think it was Soren Kierkegaard, he's, and I used to have this quote on my wall, and he says, uh, by the grace of God, I am becoming who I already am, who God already made me to be, you know? That there's a person that God made me to be that somewhere along the line kind of got messed up and screwed up and hurt and, and twisted, and by the grace of God, I am almost like re-becoming who God made me to be. You know, does that make sense to you? It makes sense to me because uh, I know that I'm not who I'm supposed to be, but I'm in this process of, you know, discovering that through God's grace, through God's help, and so are you and so are, so are all of us. So today I want to kind of look at a quick review of what we've done and where we've been in this series and then uh, share with you kind of a, a wrap-up, okay? So we started out by talking about what is our identity and uh, the identity, uh, oftentimes we identify with our failures, or we identify with labels, or we identify with struggles that we've had, and people say, oh, that's just who I am, or that's, that's in my family, or I've always been like that, and we, we begin to identify ourselves with that, but, but I want to challenge you that you have a new identity, and your new identity is Christ. So anything that Christ is is now who you are. And anything that you are that's not like Christ is something that is not you. It's not you. It's not who you were made to be. Maybe a result of some hurt or pain or some struggles or some experiences that you've had, but that's not really you. So it doesn't work to say, well, that's just who I am. No, it's not. I disagree. Because God made you in his image, in the image of God, you were created, right? right? That goes all the way back to the beginning. And then the image was tainted, of course. The image was distorted for sure. We know that. We feel it. We know it. But Jesus came to restore his image in you, okay? And so we do not identify and say, this is who I am. No, we say, this is who I am. I am in Christ, and this part of me is getting redeemed. God's working on this because it's from here but it's, it's not really who I am. And so that allows us to be set free from things because we're willing to look at things through God's eyes, okay? So our identity is no longer my sin. Our identity is now the Son of God, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Paul says it's no longer I, an ego, and self-centered Tim who's living. It's now Christ in me, and, and I'm trying to do this thing. I'm not there yet. Paul says in a different letter in Philippians, I'm not there yet but I'm striving, and one thing I'm doing is I am, what? I'm forgetting about the past and the hurts and the pain and my mistakes, and I am moving forward. I'm striving forward for who Christ says that I am and who I really am in him. You see that process even in Paul? He says, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm still working on it, and I'm putting some things behind me. I'm dealing with those things, and I'm processing those things, and I'm realizing that this is who I am. And that's the process that we're in, right? Uh, several weeks ago, when we were doing our Christmas series, I talked about joy, and the Hebrew word for joy, simcha, also is about growing. And when we grow to be more like Christ, we experience happiness and joy. And so the whole process, remember, that we're on is a journey of growth, into the likeness of Jesus. So the more that we grow into who Christ is and, the, and, and we're divesting ourselves of the past and all the other stuff, you become happier, joyful. Okay? So that's, that's how you get true joy and happiness is, is actually cooperating with God's process to help you become like Christ. You become free. You become full. You, you're no longer uh, you know, manipulated by fears and insecurities and labels and people because you have a different identity and you're focused on that. So anyway, this is the big picture that I'm giving you. The identity that you are right now in Christ, you are forgiven, God loves you, you can't do anything more to be any more loved than you are, but you need to learn how much loved you are. You need to 
just grow in that revelation of how, how loved you are and how much you are provided for right now by God. And as we do that, we become happier, more joyful. So the, it's a process of rethinking our life. Uh, the second week, we talked about what is your inventory. In other words, you know, I think of my pole barn, and I think of all kinds of junk in there. And I've been, I've been trying to do something the last couple of weeks where I go out to my barn, and I say, I'm just going to put 10 things away. And I, because it's overwhelming. It's such a mess. I, can't, I just don't even want to deal with it. So I haven't dealt with it for a long time, like three years. It's been three years since I've cleaned my barn. So I'm like, okay, I've got I to gotta deal with my past here. I'm just going to go in. I can't, deal with, I can't do it all at once. It's too overwhelming. But I can go in there and I can put 10 screws away. Or I can put one thing where it belongs or throw one thing away and deal with it. Now, my question to you is, how about your warehouse of the past? Is there things that have just piled up and you just haven't dealt with it? The problem is those things do not go away. They don't dissolve. They don't resolve themselves. Hurt, pain, uh, labels, uh, this kind of stuff does not go away. It just piles up. And here's what we're trying to do. Trying to help all of us. Let's deal with it. We have some great tools to use um, here in this church. We have Celebrate Recovery, which is just being started. It's just been going for a couple of weeks now. And it's a great place for you to, to start taking inventory of your life. And you have people who love you and care about you and keep things private. And you can talk about anything you want, and you can start to get in the pole barn and just say, I can't fix everything, but can you do one thing? Can you put one thing away? Because I'll tell you what, every time I walk in that pole barn now, and I've done this for about, I would say, I've had about seven, six or seven trips into my pole barn where I've done this. And every time I go in there now, it looks a little bit nicer. And now I'm like, the energy is changing. Like, I'm kind of, like, getting motivated to, like, do even more because it's looking good. So there's some space in there now. I'm not tripping over stuff as much, you know. And that's what will happen for you. You'll get happier because you'll have more freedom. You'll, become, be, you'll be lighter because you're getting rid of some stuff that has been just bugging you or, or manipulating you or just baggage on you. You see what I'm saying? So inventory. What's your inventory? What kind of soul aches? do you have, okay? Soul ache. A soul ache is something that's just hurting you, nagging at you, pressuring you. Uh, and and where is that coming from? It's time to take some inventory. You don't have to live with it anymore. Isn't that good news? Yeah, you just got to open the door and look and just say, hey, let's just, God, help me with one thing, one thing. Whatever God puts his attention to, He's ready to help you with, okay? The third week, we talked about what's coming in. What's your input? And are you setting yourself up for success or failure? Now, uh, it's very well-known fact that what influences us the most are the people that we hang around with the most and the books and materials that we read and, and meditate on, okay? Those are the things that affect a person the most. And so the answer to these two questions, what should I be reading the most and who should I be hanging out with the most, are very simple, Okay? It is, you should be reading the Bible, God's Word, the most, and you should be hanging out with the Holy Spirit the most. So it's just a real simple idea. Think about it. Think about it. We're not talking about practicing a religion. Okay? I'm not saying, okay, listen, you want to be a good little Lamb of God fellowship member here? Then I expect you to pray 10 minutes every day, and I want you to read two chapters of the Bible, and I want you to memorize this verse once a week, and da-da-da-da. No, we're not practicing a religion. We are in a relationship. And this relationship with God brings life to us. And, and so, who are you hanging out with the most? Are you hanging out with God during the week, or are you practicing a religion? Are you talking to Him throughout your day? Or are you building all up on yourself, talking to your coworkers, talking to your spouse, dumping on everybody around you, trying to figure out what to do with all the people around you? Are you talking to God? Now, it's not bad talking with people, having relationships and friendship. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, are you talking to God the most? And are you thinking God's word the most? You're reading his word the most. I'm just saying, it's not religion to me. It's life to me. Okay? So if you really want a life change, start, start studying the Word of God, start reading the Word of God every day, 
and talking to God throughout your day, and you'll begin to have a better input coming in, which will affect your thinking and your emotions in your life, okay? Because a lot of us, we have a lot of other inputs that, we're, that we've created habits. Watch the news. We watch this uh, sitcom. We watch these uh, videos online. We have this social media. We have all these habits. And so we, we're just like, just like we've created these habits of intake, right? What about creating the habit of intake of God's word and prayer and worship so that you're feeding yourself life and truth? Empowering you to be successful. Okay? All right. You with me? Okay, I'm not preaching at you, am I? Oh, I am? Well, okay. <laughs> Whatever. I, hey, I'm just talking about my life. If you guys want to listen, that's okay, you know. I'm just saying these are things I found to be very helpful. And then the, the next week we talked about, which I think was last week, or the last, yeah, last week was what's the internal dialogue, or sometimes we talk about this as our self-talk or our mutterings, our mutterings. And, uh, and the challenge is what we found out is that there's a Hebrew word for meditation that means to mutter under, under your breath to yourself. That's what meditation means. I always thought that meditation was like focused, quiet silence and trying to get everything outside of your brain and just like emptying yourself or something. But meditation in the Bible is actually speaking, muttering to yourself uh, the truth of God's word. And so that's why God says um, to not let this word depart from your lips, but meditate on it, mutter it, speak it day and night so that you'll be careful to do it. And if you do that, then you'll be successful and prosperous in all your ways. Today's, um, uh, this week's passage I'm asking you to, to meditate on, to mutter, is along those lines too, out of Proverbs chapter 4. And it's about just treasuring God's word and putting it into your heart and guarding your heart as well with God's truth, with God's word. Because that, that's, that makes all the difference. And so, uh, and now today, I want to talk about what is our daily itinerary or what is, what is the plan for change. And this is what I want to just challenge you with a really simple thought. You are either reprogramming your brain or you're repeating what's already in your brain. That's, that's, just, that's just the facts. If you're not right now proactively trying to work on an area of thoughts, which change your, your, your emotions and changes your, your, your life, then you're just repeating everything you've already been programmed for. So if you're not intentional right now, working on thinking differently about something in your life that's bothering you or that's hurting you or that's you know, causing trouble in you, if you're not intentional, if you don't have a daily program right now of how you're going to change your mind, and what, what you've been thinking and how you're going to start thinking, what you've been listening to and what you're going to start listening to, what you've been saying and muttering to yourself and what you're going to start muttering to yourself, who you've been hanging around with and being influenced by and who you're going to be hanging around with and influenced by. You hear what I'm saying? If you don't have an intentional itinerary today, right now, about something in your life that's bothering you, if you're not going to intentionally create a path of change, then you're going to continue to repeat the same things you've been doing. Do you agree with that? Okay, so, so I want to change. Not because I have to, but because I want to. At some point, everybody changes when they get sick and tired of what they've been doing and putting up with. And until the pain of change is less than the pain that we're experiencing, people tend to not change. It's just the facts. And so when you get to your, the end of your rope, when you've had enough crap, you know, when you finally said, "Why I finally, then you'll decide to change. And when you decide to change, you're going to want to have this series and this list of things to help you. You want to go to Christ, uh, celebrate recovery. You want to start talking to people about this. And you want to start reading God's word. And you're going to start doing these tools because that's how you change. You don't change because you're, 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 you're going to be a, a better, stronger person. You can only change with the help of God. Remember that quote I gave you? By the grace of God, I am becoming who I already am. It's not by the effort, the better effort of man. You never change because, a person can never change because they just all of a sudden have a stronger will and they're gonna work harder at not doing what they used to do. It doesn't work. I always tell people and I always keep reminding myself, Jesus is the only one who defeated sin. He's the only one who defeated the thing that's shackling me right now. The hurt or the pain or the struggles that I have, Jesus is the only one who has victory 
over that. And so if I rely on him, he will help me in that victory. If I think I'm going to do it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's why any of these other programs like Teen Challenge or Celebrate Recovery, the reason why there's a high percentage of people who actually change and recover from the problems of the past is because Jesus Christ is the center of those programs. And you go to other programs, government programs and, and self-help programs and things like that, and the percentage of recovery and, you know, and, and health from that is like super low, way low, because it's not about human effort. It's about Christ in us, setting us free. Come on. We have freedom in him. And so I mentioned this last week, um, that we have a brain. We do have a brain. It's a great tool that God has given us. And our brain is filled with thoughts and ideas and ego and just experiences. And everything that happens to us, our brain, like a computer, takes all the input, smells, sights, words, tone of voice, circumstances, temperature, all, everything, all this stuff, and, 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 it, and it perceives and then it calculates and it makes decisions based on all of that input. And it makes decisions about life. And when we're young, your brain is acting uh, over time and processing all the stimuli because everything's new. And when the stimuli is coming in, your brain is trying to figure it out, and it makes decisions. And, and it only makes decisions based on uh, its, its ability, you know, to, to process how it's affecting you. So when you're little, you, you have a very small world. And your world is really self-centered, right? The littler you are, the more self-centered you are. You know nothing else than that. I feel this, so I'm going to cry. Uh, I, I want that, so I'm going to scream. Uh, they're bigger than me, so I'm going to bite. <laughs> what I, I mean, I don't know. It's all, it's all just total self-centeredness. And you see it quickly, what that, a child will be feeling, because they have no filters on that. And it's all about them. And so when, when they're taken in process, you know, circumstances of life, their only thing is, this is all about me. So let's say you're a little child and, and a mom or dad is really mad about life and depressed or whatever, and they take it out on the child. The child has no way of understanding that their mom is just having a bad day. Their child filters all of that stuff right to them personally. This, I am a bad person. My mom's mad at me. I did something wrong. You understand what I'm saying? So we have all these experiences growing up, and our brain has made all these decisions, and, and, and then it goes down into our heart, and the Bible tells us, Jesus and I said this last week, these things get lodged in our heart, and it, it can cause some pain or some, some, some hurt in us. And we may, may feel something, or we may have been told something, or we may, through circumstances, our brain doesn't have any other way of telling us anything else, that, that I'm not good enough. Uh, I'm on my own. Nobody loves me. I'm bad. Uh, there's all kinds of labels and things that get lodged in our heart. Now, if this doesn't get processed, then Jesus says what happens is then this stuff comes out of our, our mouth. So here's our head, and here's our eye and our nose and our mouth. Oh, 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 oh I thought I was doing good right there to the end. All right, let me get a chin. And it, comes, and it comes out of our mouth, okay? And when, when it comes out of our mouth, it helps us learn what's in our heart. This is really a nice, nice thing to know. It's not to condemn you, but if, you're, if, if things are coming out of your mouth, like, I'm no good, I can't do that, I'm not, not I'm, da, da, I'm, nobody likes me, I don't have any friends, da, da. it's okay. It's coming out of your mouth. All that's telling you is that's what you have in your heart. You have rejection in your heart. You have hurt in your heart. You don't feel loved in your heart. Now, how do you change that? Jesus tells us, uh, and the Bible tells us, what we do is we take God's word, okay? Uh, let's see if I can draw a Bible here. Yep. Uh, let's go like that. Okay. All right. We take God's word, and we meditate on it. We think it, and we start to change our mind. We change our mind. We take what God says about me and we speak it and we get it into our head. 
And we start to say it to ourselves. We start telling our brain what's true. That's changing your mind. We are telling my brain, I'm telling my brain what I'm going to think about. I'm going to tell my brain what I'm going to believe, even though I'm not believing it right now. I, mean, I might not feel like a champion. I might not feel like a winner. I might not feel like we're singing the song uh, that God's giving me victory. But I'm going to look at the promises of God. I'm going to choose by faith to believe what he says. And I'm going to start saying that. And I'm going to say it until my brain agrees. And at first, it's not going to agree with me. But I'm going to fight that thought until it's changed. I'm like, no. God says he's with me. God says I'm his treasured possession. God says I'm loved. God calls me uh, his special possession. He's, he would never leave me. He would never forgive me. Uh, or No, he would never forsake me. He has forgiven me. And I've just gone through and I'm taking these promises. And my brain at first isn't agreeing with myself. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to mutter. I'm going to meditate. And if I meditate and mutter the, the truth, the word of God, and it's on my lips, and, I'm, and it's on my mind, then I will start to act like it and do it. And when I start to do it, I'll be successful and prosperous. That's what the Bible says. So the question is, do you believe the Bible or not? So when God's Word gets in and it changes our brain, it can come down here and it can change our heart. And it can heal some pain. And so, you know, uh, I've had this experience, and I'm still working it out in my own life in different areas too, where once I finally believed and, and settled a new thought about God, it came into my heart, and it, it, healed, it healed my hurt. And then it changed, changed my words. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's for every single one of us. This is a gift that God has given us. This is part of his redemption plan. The word of God and the Holy Spirit and your Christian brothers and sisters are part of God's gift to you to experience the fullness of his freedom. He didn't just come and forgive you for sins and left you in this hurt, broken, messy world without any hope. He came to actually set you free, to heal your hurt, to heal your heart. It's beautiful. He uses his word, his spirit, and his people to do that for us. It's, it's a gift of God to, to redeem us. And so here's, here's what I want to challenge you with, is all of our life um, needs to go through what I, I call a, the Christ filter. And I might come up with a better name down the road. I'm young, you know. I'll, uh, I'll keep working on it. But for now... Uh, when I, and I may have shared this picture once before, but I had a great math teacher, and uh, his name was Mr. Metzlar from Clio. And he helped me uh, in math a lot and inspired me to become a math teacher. So I was a math teacher for a while. And one of the things that he created was this, this diagram, and I want to now take it from math class into, into a church class, okay? Spiritual class. And, and it's kind of like this. I see this little funnel here, a little uh, thing that we put stuff in. And it goes into this box, and inside of this box, it's a machine. And this machine does some amazing things. And on the outside of this, you, what you put in comes out totally different, okay? And there's this little, yeah, I'm adding that to this. And uh, I'm going to add something else to this right here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. In my life, I've had to go through this process. I want to challenge you to think this thing through as well. That everything in my life, um, in your life, needs to go through a, the Christ filter. Because when I was little and things happened in my life, I didn't have the, the knowledge that I have today to interpret and make the right decisions in my brain about what was happening to me. For instance, uh, and I'll tell you my story real quick, because some of you have heard it, so I'll try to keep it short. When I was uh, six years old, my family decided to move. My mom and dad, we moved from Flint to Clio. And when, we, when I found out we were moving, this just happened to me. This is just a weird thing that happened to me. I got, I got super hurt by it because I was going to leave all my friends, and they were going to forget me. And I just felt like I was going to be forgotten. And so in my heart, I, I was hurting it was a, actually a great decision my parents made, you know, 
as I look back at it as an adult. Um, but I couldn't think big picture. I was thinking little picture, six-year-old picture, Tim and my friends and my best friend across the street. And we used to invent stuff all the time. I can't remember anything we invented, but they were awesome. Awesome, man. We had nails and boards and hammers, and we were inventing stuff all the time, you know. And uh, I had all kinds of friends at school, and I only lived like two blocks from the school. And so in my heart, I was just like, I was hurting because I was like, I just lost everything. I'll never see these people again in my entire life. So in my heart, uh, what was happening was um, I made a decision. Actually, I made a vow. I made a promise to myself. I didn't even know what I was doing. But I remembered this years later. I remember thinking this and saying this to myself. And I, this is what I said. I said, I am going to do something so amazing someday that all of my friends will remember me. So I made this vow, okay? I'm going to do something so great that I won't be forgotten. And in, at the time, in my mind, I was thinking, I got to do something so great that I get my picture in the newspaper. And they'll see my picture, and they'll be like, ah, there he is. I remember him, Tim Hobson. He was in my school. And that was what I wanted to do. That was my dream. My dream was to not be forgotten. Okay, so, six years old. What, 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 what does this have to do with anything? Uh, well, that vow, I didn't know this, but that vow was in me, and my brain, my brain made a decision, and from the rest of my life, that was the program inside my head. And so I went to school, and what did I do? I had to do something great. So whenever I was in school, I'm like, okay, look, looks like grades are important to everybody around here. They're passing out, you know, stars, or uh, they talk about your grades, or sometimes people get their picture in the paper for the grades. And, you know, I had an older sister, so I, she was four years older than me, so I saw, saw those things coming. I'm like, I'm going to be I'm going to be really great in school. I'm going to be a great student. And then I was in sports, and boy, there's passing out a lot of trophies. I'm like, I got to get some of those trophies. I think I need to be great in sports. So I try to be really great in sports. So academically, athletically, I'm doing all these things, trying to be great. And, and I just thought I was a competitive person. Uh, I look back now, and I realize there's a whole lot more going on than me just trying to be a, a good student or a good athlete. Now, everybody else was looking at me at the time like, oh, good job. Oh, you're doing so good. But inside, listen, I know it sounds crazy, but inside, it was coming from a wrong place. It was coming from a place where what I found out later in my life in my relationship with God is I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel loved. I felt like I lost that. And so then I tried to become a great Christian. And then I became a pastor. And then I'm trying to become a great pastor. And in my mind, I got to have, you know, I got to do all of these great things. And, and like I said, I told this story before, but I remember when I was a senior, we had the saying at Clio, graduate of Clio, uh, called Honors Night. So they still do this, right? Honors Night. They do that here in Montrose. So I'm going to Honors Night, and I've worked my tail off for four years. So we go to Honors Night. It's supposed to be this really special night where everyone gets uh, scholarships. There's certain school awards that are given out. And, uh, and so we're there. And by the way, uh, I, was, I finished fourth in our school in, in grades, which like, most people are like, oh, good job. But inside, I'm like, no, not, not good enough, not good enough. So we'll go to the Honors Night, and they, I won an award. It was really important to me. Uh, it was called the Stuart E. Monroe Award. And it was an Athlete Scholarship and Character Award. It was really important to me because my dad had won it. And it was, it was a very, in my mind at the time, a very prestigious award. And I was like, oh, I want, you know, I want to do that. I won it. So I'm like, yes, I won that award. I felt really cool, you know, father, son, passing this legacy on. I won a couple of other awards, uh, Mathematician of the Year. Um, I won a Pepsi Scholarship for Athletics. And then we leave that night, and as we're leaving, and I don't remember if I talked to my parents about this or not. I might have. I'm not sure. But I remember thinking it without a doubt, and I thought, so I won that. I got that. I got that. 
And I thought, is this all there is? It was a weird, terrible moment. Most people will be very excited. Wow, but you did so well. You did. I don't, that wasn't, that's not even what I'm talking about. I don't care about that. It wasn't satisfying to me. It didn't, it didn't fill my soul. And do you understand what I'm saying? Whether it's a trophy that you're chasing or a certificate or whether it's the almighty dollar or a title or a promotion or a woman or a house or a car, whatever, what I've discovered, whatever we're pursuing in life, whatever that is for you, if it's a drug, a beer, you know, a trophy, when you get it, you know what we find? doesn't satisfy. It didn't answer, it didn't fill the void, right? What was missing in my life, I didn't find this out until I was 33 years old. What, what, what was missing in my life was the love of God. Like really knowing and experiencing the love of God. And what I did with the help of some people is I went back in my life and I took this experience here, right, my six-year-old experience, and I tossed it in, tossed it in the pot with some loving people and um, I got to the end of my rope at 33. I was like a robot, had no emotions, and I would struggle with depression and then I would struggle with pride. And then I would struggle with shame, and then I'd struggle with pride, right? When I win the trophy for a few minutes, I'm feeling good about myself. When I'm not winning, when I'm not doing well, I feel really bad about myself. And you do that for, you know, 20 years or 25 years or so, and eventually you get to the end of yourself. Am I talking to anybody here? So I toss it in the pot with some people who loved me cared about me, but didn't know me, but they loved me. And they grinded me to a bloody pulp. And I went through this screen. as a really, really fine screen. And it was like cheese being grated. And I went through this, and a whole bunch of crap just kind of fell out, the, out the, the waste. And all of a sudden, I came out the other side. With, with the view of God and a, and a proper healthy view of myself, and I came out here free and loved, and it changed my life. Now, there's still some remnants. I think there were still a couple of things that snuck through some of these cracks I'm still working on, and I still have to sometimes dust off or you know, pull some other things out. But this process right here, I just want to submit to you, whatever that looks like to you, has to happen with all of your life because there's a whole lot of crap that stuck to us growing up that hasn't been processed and it's affecting you today. It's still affecting you today because if you don't reprogram it, it's still repeating. And I had to go through a reprogramming and I came out with the love of God. Now, just to give you a real quick list of how that has impacted me, um, is, is this, practically speaking. This changed something core in my heart. I, I stopped trying to earn God's love, and I experienced God's love, and, and I, I was changed because of what happened in my heart. I believed that God loved me. I remember having to make a decision during this process took me four hours to make this decision. And I was just, I mean, my body was just, I was, it was terrible. I tell, you know, it's the worst night of my life because I had to make a decision. And the decision was, do I really believe that God loves me just like I am? Am I going to believe that? Or am I going to stick with what I've been doing my whole life that I, I have to earn God's love? That I have to be this good person? And I have to do these things. And when I do these things and I don't do those things, then I'm worthy of his love. But these people were telling me, no, God loves you just like you are. There has nothing to do with that. I'm like, everything inside of me was squirming. Everything inside of me. For four hours, I was just fighting this. 
And then I said to myself, if I believe you guys, this is what I was saying to myself, if I believe you guys and I get to heaven and you're wrong and I screwed up, man, am I going to be ticked off? I'm going to be so ticked off. But then I thought, but I think you're right. But if you're right, that means everything I've been doing this way has been wrong. And I've built my whole life on the wrong, you know, platform or whatever. It was just grueling, terrible. And I finally decided, I decided, and I want to stress that, I changed my mind. And I actually said, okay, God, I believe you love me just like I am. And all of a sudden, boom, it just exploded in me. And it was the best, it was the best night of my life. It was a complete, my, when my mind changed, my heart was healed, and it changed my life. And I'm not, I'm not perfect, so I, I, I hesitate in saying this because I know I'm not a perfect person. I'm just saying I was really changed, you know. And so now, what does that look like for me? It cures my pride when I think that I am deserving of praise. I don't, I don't have that issue as much in my life. Uh, it cures my shame when I think I haven't performed well enough. So I don't have that issue as much in my life. It's changed me. It, it relieves my stress from trying to please people. Uh, it sets me free from worrying and striving and searching for significance. Uh, it's allowed me to celebrate other people's success instead of being jealous. Uh, it's changed my attitude towards people instead of trying to uh, use people to make me feel better. Now I can actually serve and love people because I don't, I don't need that anymore because I have that in God. So now I can, I can really love people. Not that I'm perfect at it, but I can love people now. I don't have to use people. Totally different. And that's what I'm trying to share with you. If you let God take your stuff one thing at a time, just go to the barn, grab something that sticks out, something that God's saying, are you tired of this attitude? Are you tired of feeling this way? Do you see that you're still mad about that? Do you see that you're always getting, are you tired of that? You're ready to put that one away? Just grab that because God's already highlighting it, okay? Throw it in the box. Throw it in the machine. Get around some good people that love you and let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God set you free. It's possible. It's possible. Um, I'm not going to get to what I wanted to share with you, but I want to do just do an ad, let me just do a, a free, freelance talk with you about a guy named Joseph. If you're reading through the Bible this year, you're probably around the same place that I am and just read about Joseph the last, uh, last two weeks. Joseph is an amazing guy. God did something amazing in this guy's life. Let's just think about it real quick. Joseph uh, was one of 12 sons to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So Jacob was his dad, right? He's one of the, ended up being one of the 12 tribes of Israel, although it wasn't really him, it was his two sons. So Joseph, he was 17 years old, and a tragedy happened to him. 17 years old. I have, I have uh, you know, some kids in my house right now close to that age. I have a 19-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old. You know, these kids are in my house. It's one of those kids right there. This happened to him. 17 years old, his brothers were jealous because his dad loved him. I mean, his dad really loved Joseph, so he had a really good start. So he's up here in life, man, loving life. Joseph's up here. He's loved by his dad. He's got the multicolored coat. Remember that? that whatever. And he's got it, and his brothers are mad and jealous, and they... They, they're ready to kill him. Instead of killing them, they sell him into slavery. So he's sold. I mean, his life just takes a nosedive. And so he's at 17 years old. This tragedy happens in his life. And uh, he's sold into slavery. And then uh, he's bought by this guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar um, puts him in charge of his home. And God blesses Joseph. And everything that Potiphar owns just becomes blessed and abundant. And so he kind of he kind of rises up in, in importance in the household, and, and he's recognized. But then another bad thing happens. Uh, Potiphar's wife thinks he's pretty good looking, and she's chasing him and trying to get, get, get him, you know, get with him. And he's trying to avoid her, and he's trying to stay away from her. And she just comes right out and says, come on, I want you. And he's like, no, I can't sin against God. And so she gets mad, and one day she corners him, and he tries to run, and she grabs his coat, and then he just takes off. He runs. 
And so he did nothing wrong. He was doing the right thing. But she lied, and she screamed, and people came in, and she accused him of trying to, you know, rape her. And so uh, Potiphar's ticked off. Everybody else is mad at him. And, whoa, we go down a little bit farther. Because now, not, I mean, you can't get much worse than being a slave, but you can because now he's in prison. So now he's in prison. You guys know the story. He's in there for a while, and he hasn't done anything wrong, but God begins to bless him, and he becomes in charge of the prison. God's raising him up in leadership. Something's going on in his heart. He's been hurt here. He's been betrayed by his brothers, right? Here he's, he's been uh, falsely accused of, of a crime, and he's in prison. He didn't, didn't do anything wrong, but God raises him up in the prison, and he's in charge of everything, and God's blessing him. And then he gives these dreams and interpretations to these guys, and he says, remember me when you go before Pharaoh, because I'm here, and I haven't done anything wrong. Put in a good word for him. Please, I haven't done anything wrong. And so he's 17 years old here, 17. And I'm not sure exactly what's going on during this time, but it was 13 years 13 years. And then the day came when Pharaoh had a dream and uh, the, uh, the cupbearer remembered Joseph. He said, oh, I remember a guy in prison who interpreted a dream I had. He can interpret dreams. Pharaoh, you should call him out. He'll help you out. So, so Pharaoh calls Joseph out. He's forgotten, by the way, because he told that guy to remember him. For another year or two, he's forgotten. And then he gets all the way elevated up to Pharaoh. And he's 30 years old, 30 years old. And I, I was thinking about this story because I was thinking about the stuff he went through. And I don't know about you, but if I was, like, betrayed by my brothers, I mean, almost killed, but then sold into slavery, we see later in the story, when the story plays out, he, his brothers are restored, but one of the brothers is talking to the other brothers when he is, Joseph is disguising himself and he's brought the brothers before him and he's kind of playing around with them a little bit, one of the brothers is talking to the other brothers. He's like, we should have, did you guys, we're getting paid back for what we did. Do you remember how distressed he was, how he was begging for his life? So we, we are, we're told this was not just a, okay, whatever, I'm going to move on. No, this was like tragic. He was begging crying, hurt by his brothers. Um, and, and so, and yet God was with him. What was going on in his heart? How did he keep it together? Why didn't he just sleep with this woman? Why, why did he still honor God when his life was falling apart? Somehow he had something going on. He was processing something in a healthy way, even though what was happening to him was horrible. And then, and then things are kind of going good for him, and then it just crashes again. He still hasn't done anything wrong. Now he's thrown into prison. He's, you know, he's lied about. You hear what I'm saying? This is like 17 years old, 18, 19, 20, I don't know, 21, 22, and bam, something else. He's still a young guy. What, what is it? What's the point of serving God? Nothing in my life is going well. When he was 17, he had some dreams from God. Dreams that he was going to be in some elevated position, that his family would bow down to him, not out of like, you know, in a bad way, but just because of how God was going to elevate him for some reason, right? He had these dreams, but he's going down and down and down. And this is what I think might have happened. We see some of this in the conversations after he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and dreams said, who's smarter than this guy? Who's anointed more than this guy? He's my right-hand man. He put him at the right hand of the most powerful empire on the planet Earth. He was the vice president. He was in charge of everything. Nobody did anything without Joseph's permission. God put him all the way to the top. How did that happen? How is this going to happen in your life from the stuff that you've been through? Because there's choices that we make when we go through disappointments, when things happen to us. And this wasn't even his fault. And some of the things that we've done were our fault, right? But a lot of stuff that's happened to you wasn't your fault at all. It was other messed up people, other bad choices, other bad decisions. So are you going to be the victim to that? 
Or what, did, what happened in Joseph? This is what I think happened in Joseph's life. I think he was given a great gift when he was young. He knew he was loved by his father. I mean, there was no question about it. He got something. Now, I was loved by my father, but I didn't translate that to my heavenly father until I was 33. But I think Joseph got it. I think he knew he wasn't just loved by his dad, Jacob. I think he felt that love from the father. Listen to me. This is the most important thing in your entire life is to know the love of your father. This is the foundation right here of health and healing for every one of us. It's the same. It's to know the love of God, how much God loves you. I think Joseph had that, and that kept him. And it helped him process the rawness and the ugliness of life. Because if he didn't have that, he would have had a hard heart. He would have started making other decisions out of a pain in his life. He would not have been honoring God. God would not have been elevating him and working a plan out all along. And Joseph comes to the end of this journey, even though it's only 13 years, still it's 13 years of despair. He comes to this point and he says to his brothers, hey guys, listen, I forgive you. It wasn't you who sent me here. This was part of God's plan for my life. I'm here today because there has been God's hand on my life all along and he knew that he had a plan and a purpose for me today. And it was to save your life and many others' lives. And I think Joseph kept that promise in his heart, even though he went through some serious pain. In this story, when he's talking with his brothers, he's crying. First time he sees his brothers come, he has to dismiss himself. And he's just crying. So we're not talking about fake pain. We're not talking about something that was easy. But he processed it through the eyes of God. He went through the Christ machine. He did. And it was still painful. But God sustained him through it. And, and he had enough faith in the middle of this stuff to believe that God was still at work in his life. He didn't understand, of course. And you don't understand, of course, all the stuff that we're going through. But in the midst of the rawness of the pain of life, we can have the love of the Father in us that regardless of what's going on around us, we're still okay. We sing songs like this all the time. It's just a matter of do we, do we experience it? You know, you're above the storm. You know, uh, there's victory in you. There is, but we might be right here. We might be right here. But this is where we're going to be. God has a plan for your life. And what will sustain you in the midst of this fallen world is God's love. It's his love. It's okay. God's with me. It's okay. God's got me. It's okay. He loves me. You may not be loving me. This may not be going the way I was hoping it would go. But I'm okay because God's with me. He loves me. He's for me. And that's not changing. That's not changing. That's a higher truth that I'm holding on to. So he had two sons, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. And he said this, Ephraim in Hebrew, when he named his son Ephraim, you can read it in the Bible, it means um, God has um, helped me forget my trouble. So Joseph is telling us, God did a work in my life. And uh, now that I have this son, he named him Ephraim. God has helped me forget my trouble. Doesn't mean that we're just trying to pile stuff in the pole barn and not address it. We have to process it. And in the processing, we are renewed with his perspective and his love. And Joseph said, God has helped me forget my trouble. And Manasseh, God has made me fruitful. Isn't that beautiful? Listen to me. This is the end of my message. If you want to be fruitful in life, you have to go through that Christ process. Otherwise, you're held bondage to pain and hurt and labels that don't belong to you. That's not who you are. And once you become who you are, you become fruitful. Once you let God heal you, set you free, rewire your thinking and your heart, 
then you're fruitful. Then you're producing life in him and through him. Isn't that beautiful? So I want every single one of us to pursue freedom. I want all of us to pursue healing. I want all of us to reflect that joy and that love that God has for us. But I, I can't do it for you. I, I, can, I can't even do it for myself. But by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, I am becoming who God already made me to be. And I hope that you're allowing the grace of God in your life to do that too. So uh, this morning, um, you can take your notes home. And guess what? You got a take-home sermon to study because <laughs> we didn't get to it. The second half of your log notes uh, is, is some steps, and, and it is in a readable form for you. It's some steps that I would encourage you to go through if you're ready to make a change in your life, okay? It's clearly laid out, and there's some verses in there you can study, but also I want to highlight in your folder today is also an extra insert from last week of some examples, Okay? And so if these are any examples that you might be dealing with, here's a good starting point for you, this half a sheet. And there's just a few scripture references. And you can take this, if this is an example for you, let's say number, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, number four, for instance, you might feel poor or left out or unnoticed or unlucky. But God says that you're blessed and highly favored. If you want to work on that, here's a good place to start, a couple verses. And what you start doing is, you look through the notes that I gave you today of the steps that you want to start taking. And it's the Word of God. It's conversing with the Spirit of God. It's, uh, it's beginning to um, mutter to yourself the truth of God and, and just begin to walk that out with some other people. Uh, but this, this stuff works. But let me just say it again. You're either reprogramming or you're repeating. Whenever you're done, tired of repeating, then let's do the reprogramming. God has a great plan and a future for your life. I'm convinced that the best is yet to come for each and every one of us, okay? The path of the righteous is like the shining or the light of dawn. As that sun is rising, so, are your, so is your path. Even though Joseph looked like he was going down, 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 in the plan and purpose of God, he was going up, 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 up. Do you understand? In the midst of hurt and pain, he was being, he was being refined, his heart was still pliable and submissive to God, and he was following the path of God even though he was down here. He didn't let pain lodge in here and change his choices and sabotage his future in God because that's what pain does. Any unprocessed pain, any unprocessed hurt, that's what it does. It begins to affect your decisions. You begin to hurt people. You begin to sabotage the plan that God has for your life. And if you can let God minister to you in real time, stay free from that pain so that you can keep marching forward in the plan and purpose that God has for your life, which is better than any other place that you could ever find yourself. Hallelujah. God is for us. Who can be against us? God is for you. He loves you. And uh, this isn't a quick fix. But here's some tools that God's given us, right, to pursue freedom. So let's stand together. I just want to pray a blessing on you this morning. And I really want to encourage you to check out Celebrate Recovery. Uh, it's going to be here for as long as we, we can foresee because I think there's a few people around that has some hurt, <laughs> right, has some pain, and has some things to process. And so we're, we're really excited to, to have this opportunity for people every week just to get together and throw stuff into the pot and see what God does, setting us free. But this morning, I just want to pray encouragement to you. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we just, we just thank you for your, your love for us. Lord, it's so hard to um, communicate some of these things, but we just ask that you would give us that wisdom and that revelation, spirit of revelation to understand your love for us today. Lord, in this room, we, there's, there's, there, there's so many individual stories, but God, there, there is a common love you have for each and every one of us to, to know. And I pray, God, for that to happen for every person in this room. Every person who's watching this video right now, 
that, Lord, your presence will come upon us and reassure us with your love. Just help us. Help us, Lord. We need your love. And for those of us, God, who have something we're working on, something that we're struggling through or some pain or hurt that's in our lives or some thinking and, that we want to change, uh, Lord, again, I just pray that you will lead us and guide us and give us the courage to step out in faith to start the process, to stop repeating the past and intentionally see a reprogramming take place that we can be alive and free and full and, and fully in, in your will. Thank you, Lord. Before we finish this prayer, I want to pray for those of you this morning that just want to get right with God or just want to take that first step uh, of freedom, which is just basically acknowledging there's an area of your life and you're ready to open that up to God. So let's first pray for those of us this morning that just need to get right with God. If you're here this morning, you just want to know that, that uh, you're okay with God, that you're right with God, that your sins are forgiven. Jesus always invites us to himself. He doesn't invite us to a religion. Isn't that awesome to know? He says, come to me. Come to me. Not to a religion. Come to me. And so he came to us, paid a price for our sin that we could be forgiven. It's, it's so important for each and every one of us to start there, receiving the gift of salvation. If you're here this morning and you don't know where you stand with God, but you want to get right with him, and you're ready to make that decision today, would you just lift your hand right where you are so I can pray with you and encourage you this morning? Is there anybody here that needs to get right with God? Lift your hand up high. I don't want to miss anybody. I don't see any hands. So I'm trusting everybody here is right with God, which is awesome. But now let's get right in our heart, in our soul. If there's any soul indigestion in you right now, and you're ready to just open that up to God, I'm not going to even do anything about that this morning. I just want you to take the first step before God and acknowledge it before God. Hey, God, okay, I, I, I get it. This isn't working. Help me. If that's you. That's all I'm going to do is ask you to take that first step. Just acknowledge it before God. Would you lift your hand so I can pray with you this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you put your hand down. Thank you, Lord. God, we come to you humbly before you. Lord, we're all broken, hurting people, but we believe, we believe that there is healing in you. We believe there's freedom in you. We believe in the miracle of transformation in you. So, Lord, those, those of us who just lift our hands, we just come to you, God, and it's not a surprise to you, but we're just saying, Lord, we recognize this, this thing, and we ask for you to help us now, God. Help us. Help us. We want a change. We want a healing. We want a, a freedom. We want a new way. We want a transformation. God, I just pray for everyone who lifted their hands and those who are, who are in the same that just didn't lift their hand for whatever reason. We just, we just pray for each one here, God, that now you would come alongside of them in such a loving, awesome, strength, strong way in beginning to reveal your true heart and your perspective of the area of our life that we're, that we're hurting in. And that you would begin to show us the truth, God. Show us the truth. Show us, even show us just where, what, what's even going on in our heart. What, what really is the problem? What's really going on? Show us, Holy Spirit, we ask that you show us. Speak to us as we meditate, we think about what's going on. I just ask, Holy Spirit, you would reveal to us the core uh, hurt or pain or whatever it is, thinking. And that you would then begin to show us your perspective, your truth that begins to set us free. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for this time to agree with heaven, to uh, see hurt and pain and, and all that stuff just taken away, taken away. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, we just receive your love. Thank you, Lord, for your plan to give us a future and a hope. And like Joseph, our eyes are on you. Our hearts are filled with your love. We will hold on to your promises, and we will continue to walk uh, out this journey in you, believing that you're with us, and you're forming us, 
back into your image for your glory and for our benefit in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we, we're, we're done with our time, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you guys. And if you guys want to do a song, and that, that way those of you who want to enjoy another song of worship can enjoy that. And also, if you just want some personal prayer, every time we're done with the service, we're always here to pray with anybody for as long as possible. Any encouragement you need, please come during this time. And our prayer teams would love to just bless you, encourage you, build you up, and, and just, you know, just bless you and agree in prayer with you. So let me pray a blessing on you now. The Lord's blessing. The Lord's name on you, the Lord's blessing on you, the Lord's protection on you, okay? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace in His name. And may His freedom and His fullness and His fruitfulness increase in your life this week in Jesus' name. Amen.